1: Tom Morges. Welcome back everyone to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm very excited to have on the show today, Kerry Dills, who is a WordPress developer and consultant, host of the Office Hours FM podcast, and author of Real World Freelancing, the Noble Survival Guide, which we'll be talking about a little bit today. So Carrie, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches with us. Hey Tom, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, before we get to the book and to the podcast and everything else that you do, uh, tell me a little bit about how you got started in WordPress and developing and now kind of working as a consultant in that space. Sure. Uh,
0: so the condensed version is I, I started doing freelance client work as soon as I graduated from college. This was in the late 90s and I've always kept a toe in uh, the freelance web development waters since then, even though, I mean, my career has had some twists and turns, but, uh, the recurring theme is going back to doing my own thing, uh, serving clients with technology. And like I said about five years ago, I discovered WordPress, uh, through an, a colleague. And once I found that and found out, uh, the power of what it could do, um, just out of the box, I was sold. Uh, so yeah, from there in the past four or five years, I've been doing, Uh, client work, consulting, uh, development, not so much design, uh, but really with the intent of uh, producing websites that help clients build their business. So not just, hey, here I am, (laughs) but actually a, a website that somehow serves to either generate revenue or visibility for their businesses.
1: I love it. Fantastic. So that's how you got started. Tell me a little bit about kind of building your platform. And kind of, you know, there's a lot of developers out there, but not everybody does, you know, builds out a website. What was the purpose behind that? What was the purpose behind starting a podcast?
0: Sure. Uh, so I, I can't not have a website if that's what I do for, (laughs) do for other people. So, you know, initially the site just started off as a plat or as a, excuse me, a kind of a portfolio to demonstrate, uh, you know, what, how I could help folks. And then over time I started blogging, uh, a lot of uh, kind of informational tutorial, how-to sort of stuff. Um, and the podcast was actually kind of born out of that, uh, just broadcasting uh, information, trying to be helpful. Trying As I learned something, I would blog about it, talk about it on podcast. Uh, and I got good feedback. So uh, the more feedback I got, the <laughs> the more it made me want to, want to carry on. Uh, and it was—it's kind of funny, though. The the folks that that attracted uh, that audience were ultimately not the audience that I
1: was selling to, and that was sort of a strange realization to make. Okay, great. Well, so now talk talk to me a little bit about the new book, uh, Real World Freelancing. Like, where where did this come from? What's the point of it, uh, and and what will the reader get from it?
0: Sure, I uh, appreciate you giving me the opportunity to uh, chat about it a little bit. Um, so having done freelancing for so long, there are so many things I've done absolutely wrong (laughs) and just mistakes and, uh, things I wish I'd known along the way, but you don't know until you don't know unless somebody either tells you or you just trip and fall and, uh, and learn, learn the hard way. Uh, so the book, and I'm, I'm actually co-writing it with a, a colleague, her name is Diane Kinney. Uh, she's also been in the consulting and, uh, freelance world for a long time. And, uh, really the book is like, if we could go back and mentor our younger selves, uh, and say, you know, here's, here's the route to go, here's the things to avoid. Um, that's what the book was m- uh, kind of born out of. Uh, and then in terms of the real world part, that's where, I mean, we're both kind of down to earth, uh, no BS, people and that's the way we communicate. And I think that, um, what I've seen so much of in the online, I want to give you advice about how to run your business space, uh, are a lot of pie in the sky kinds of things. And not that some of those things don't work, uh, but that that's just not reality for a lot of people. Like if, if I'm sitting, uh, at my kitchen table, trying to find a client to, you know, get a website project so that I can pay my, my rent, that's a very long way from, you know, someone teaching you how to, uh, you know, launch your $100,000 product in the next four weeks. Um, there's just some disconnect there. So the real world freelancing part was, here's the real deal. We're not going to BS you or 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 fluff up and make it all sound wonderful. Uh, it can be wonderful, uh, but there, there are just realities that uh, that I don't think are necessarily expressed when people are, uh, other, other folks are always putting their best foot forward online. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's not always a best foot to put forward. Anyway, that sounded kind of negative. I didn't,
1: uh, No, no worries. So didn't, I would not roll didn't, with that though. Away, but. Like if you can, give me, give me some examples of what you might consider like, um, that idea of being vague or general or, you know, mostly just like idealistic type thinking versus, your book, what makes it more practical? Give me, you know, if you could juxtapose that and then dig into, you know, your, your thoughts on, and it can be on any one of these aspects that you cover in your book from business fundamentals to, you know, to selling, to Uh, marketing and all that.
0: So a book that I actually really love it, but it's the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. It's, it's been out uh, for, I don't know, maybe 15 years or, and, uh, I read it and I was like, well, heck yes, I want a four hour work week. I mean, who doesn't want a four hour work week? Uh, and he laid out some actually some really interesting things that uh, some good principles, even if they don't translate into a four hour work week. But the reality is most people are not going to step into a four hour work week anytime soon. But again, not discounting the book because there are some fantastic takeaways in there. But uh, for real world freelancing, it's, it's going to be uh, very practical uh, guides. So, for instance, if we have a section uh, chapter on working with clients and writing proposals and uh, scoping projects, then we'll also provide a set of templates with the book uh, for, you know, Hey, this is what a proposal, you know, a a well-rounded proposal could look like. These are some tools to help you with uh, project discovery. Um, Things that are meant to hoping that the reader gets out pen and paper or or keyboard and a a text editor, uh, to interact with what they're learning um, versus just read it, put it down, and and forget it.
1: So walk me through that. Let's let's actually take maybe a deep dive look at this. What do you think are the things that most freelancers get wrong that they could improve like overnight or at least pretty rapidly if they just did it a different way?
0: Yeah, um, the biggest one that I think I've learned is communication. Uh, communication on the surface is not very difficult. As a matter of fact, it seems uh, like, of course you would communicate with your client about uh, your availability or a timeline or or the cost of a project, or there's nothing strange sounding about that. Uh, But I think that, well, I remember many times, like just kind of failure to state the obvious. Um, So things like uh, when you're starting off on a project, like these this is going to be the payment terms. Um, these are going to be the milestones when we touch base and we're delivering things. Um, this is how I need communication to happen. Like if I'm needing uh, materials or artwork or something from you, I've you know, my expectation is that you know we'll chat within the next. Or you'll have that to me within the next 48 hours. Uh, You have the same expectation of me that I will be on the other end of the email or the phone. Or if you don't get on the phone, then state that. Say I prefer all my communication to go through uh, Basecamp or Trello or email or whatever it is. Um, But I've learned that you can, over communication is, it's really hard to do. Like always err on the side of communicating entirely too much information um, and to, when we're talking about how, you know, how can somebody take that overnight and, uh, and, or immediately, um, digest that into, uh, their business, I would say if there is any ambiguity on any project right now in terms of moving forward or in terms of, uh, you know, someone owing you, uh, information or cash or whatever it is, um, get on the phone, like, no text messages, no vague emails, or even just or clear emails. Like if you need something from someone, uh, just pick up the good old fashioned phone, uh, and have a call. Cause I think that things are, um, things can be lost in translation when you don't hear the tone in somebody's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyways, that was maybe a little bit soapboxy, but, uh, getting on the phone with clients would be one, and that could, could immediately be uh, put into practice. And then the other one is when you're scoping projects. Which I mean, we could, I could talk for days about that, Tom, and, and uh, probably glaze your all your listeners' ears over or eyes over. So I won't do that. But be as clear as possible about what it is that you're delivering, mm. um, and also be clear about what you're not delivering. Because I think that's – there's a – you know, it's really easy for us as – tech or for me as a technical person to think I'm hearing and understanding correctly what a client wants. Um, And then sometimes I – due to my failure to actually map out what it was I was going to deliver, I get it wrong. Um, And maybe they expected things that I had no intention of ever delivering and therefore those things weren't included in the cost and then they get unhappy –
1: Yeah. So communicate, communicate, communicate. Do you do any type of like road mapping before, um, you know, a project? Absolutely. And how do you do that? Like, do you charge for that? Do you, is that just part of the, you know, what's your process for actually getting, you know, onboarding new clients, so to speak? Uh,
0: so I have moved to a paid discovery process and what that entails Again, this goes back to the scale of a project, but taking some amount of time, whether that's two hours or whether it's two weeks, uh, whatever it is, to just talk, not talk about what technology you're going to use to implement a solution, not none of that, but just talk and understand exactly um, what the client is asking for and then challenging them back to, or not challenging them back, but really uh, getting to the root of, if what they're asking for is really what they need. So understanding the business uh, decision behind what they're asking asking you for, if it's, like say, a website that, you know, does X, Y, or Z. Do they really need X, Y, or Z? Or does it turn out they're trying to solve problem A? Uh, we well, can only find that out if you're asking lots of questions and spending the time to do that. Um, and then from those conversations, creating what you say, uh, a roadmap. So these are going to be, you know, we're going to ballpark the, scale of this project and what makes sense to deliver in this first chunk and what make more sense to maybe put off into a, you know, a secondary phase or a secondary pro- uh, project, whatnot. You know, the roadmap can, different people have different styles, like the roadmap could be uh, one single document or the roadmap could be called your statement of work. Uh, it could also actually include your terms and your proposal and end up being the signed contract. Um, you know, again, preference mileage may vary, uh, but I am such a huge proponent of that, of that roadmap. And again, let's say you're working on a, oh, somebody just comes to you and needs a, a little fix and it's something that's going to take you less than five hours to do. Well, clearly in that case, you don't need a, them to pay for a road mapping session. That's, that's silly. So based on the size of the project and the scale of the project, um, you can scale up or scale down what that, what that road mapping looks like. But, uh, oh my gosh, projects go so much more smoothly if you take that time up front.
1: What would you say, uh, is the point at which, you know, depending on, I guess the size of the contract, the price of it, when a freelancer should, I guess I'm, I'm curious about this. So I, I, let me see if I can actually phrase this right way. Like, I feel like when you're doing like low, like a, a five hour project or something like that. You know, I, I don't know. Depending on what you know, what market you're in, you could. I'm not sure how much you could charge for something. You know, if it's very very small like that. So if you're if you work on bigger projects traditionally, you know, at what point does it make sense to kind of do something like go through a proposal route, or does it make sense to have some sort of productized service? Like if you're doing like lower, I suppose like lower end or less expensive type projects, like where's that? Where's that happy you know medium or that happy uh, place where somebody can kind of say yeah because I'm doing like this very expensive projects that you know the the onboarding process or, or lining up new clients takes a while but that's and that's all we do are these bigger projects or versus maybe like doing something more productized and 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 it being cheaper and maybe has no, maybe productization has nothing to do with actually being cheaper but I'm just curious do you, do you kind of get what I'm saying here or is that a little confusing? yeah I I think so so in
0: in web development. It's very hard to productize what ultimately, for or for most projects, ends up being a very custom, tailor-fitted solution. Um, now you could say, okay, for X amount of dollars, I'm going to take this stock theme and I'm going to create these five pages: an about page, a contact page, but you know, et cetera. Uh, and you're going to provide the content, and I'll pop in that content and add the photos you send me. And that's a you know that's five hundred bucks or whatever, and in that case, no, there is no road mapping. Uh, there's no consulting. You're executing right versus a project where you know you really are coming in as a business partner, a consultant versus um, just a vendor that that can execute a set of requirements. Um, that's when I think that the that road mapping comes into play. And if you're you know if you're a freelancer that works with that works as a subcontractor, for instance, uh, Tom, let's say that you went out and sold a web project, and and I'm going to be your developer on it. Um, then you would go and do all that discovery and figure out what all the requirements were. And then you would hand me a set of specs. Uh, so I didn't really go through that process. Um, you did. So depending on, um, I don't know if I'm answering your, your question or not, but the, the, productizing yeah. thing is where I could see that working in the, in the web field would be if mm. you're talking about like support and maintenance, like, Hey, for a hundred dollars a month, I'm going to, you know, make sure all your software is updated and backed up. And if you have, you know, one or two, three, four small tasks, those are included or something like that.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I was just kind of curious specifically in, in regards to like, you know, cause I've, I've, I think the idea of like, productization is, is compelling, but in the end, like, you know, if, if something's working, it's working. So like, um, like I traditionally work on pretty large scale projects like I'm not quite sure exactly how I would honestly even productize. So I was always uh, curious about like how people go into that process, like, and where it's, where it's worthwhile to like go and sit down and create like a unique proposal for every client. Cause of course that's going to take more time. And if it makes sense to, to figure out a way to productize. So, yeah, I think that answers the question. I don't know if you have any thoughts after me kind of trying to clarify that there.
0: Yeah, I would say, so when, when I think about product, productization, I look at, you know, how much of this process is standardized and follows the exact same set of, uh, you know, to-do lists or, or whatever. Um, and where there's, I'm going to make up a number here, but where there's, let's say, 90% of a project Uh, is going to require all of those steps, um, then that's something that could be productized. If it's a, you know, custom work, that would be much harder to productize. However, there may still some be some of those steps that are going to be the same regardless, for instance, um, your proposal language, um, the way that you onboard clients, whether it's a series of emails or Uh, you know, whatever documents you use, how you set up payment terms, like those are all things that are pretty static. Uh, So certainly having processes in place um, that you can use on project after project helps speed, uh, you know, make you much, much more efficient. So maybe it's productizing like in your mind and not, (laughs) not in the way you sell it, but in your, in the way you're creating processes around what you're doing.
1: What's the best way for uh, freelancers to to actually raise their prices?
0: Oh, well, there's so many directions you could go with that question. Um, I I think, one, you have to believe that you're worth a price. Um, So there's, I think, a a self-confidence issue there. Uh, Two, you need to be worth the price. Uh, So, you know, if you're a junior-level developer, you're probably not going to charge $200 an hour just because you can. And then third, well, this goes back to the communication. If you're going to raise your price on existing clients, never do it midstream, mid-project. And then at the end of a project, uh, you know, communicate, hey, moving forward, these are going to be my new rates, da-da-da-da-da. And then also, I guess a fourth thing, I don't know that any of these flow (laughs) flow exactly together, uh, but when it comes to raising rates, there's a threshold at which people will Mm. tell you you're too expensive, um if nobody tells you you're too expensive right now then you're too cheap uh now if everybody tells you you're too expensive and you're not getting any business then you know come back back up down off of that price uh but there should always be some people that cannot afford your services um and you know that's a i would encourage people to don't be afraid to experiment with that number uh because it's it is something that you you know kind of have to figure out exactly what works for you and for your target audience. But as a general rule of thumb, know that you're worth it. Provide whatever product or service uh that delivers the value of what you're uh charging. Communicate that well to your uh to your customers and uh you know play with your pricing to reach reach the optimal dollar amount.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. So we're coming up to the top of the uh the interview Carrie. I'm curious, where can people read more about you, learn more about you and find out what you're working on?
0: Sure. Uh, so sort of the hub of all activity is over at uh, um, I'd Also, for anyone interested in the book, you can go to realworldfreelancing.com and we have an overview of kind of some of the things that are going to be included in the book. And um, it's not, it's not available yet, but there's a, you know, people can sign up. Give their email address, and we'll let them know as soon as it is. Uh, And then for social media, I mostly hang out on Twitter, at C. Dills.
1: I love it, Carrie. Well, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. Had a blast talking, and I look forward to picking up your book um, when it goes live. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. All right, Carrie. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join The Resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorcus.com. Never fight alone. Join The Resistance.